What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Mint City Soccer Show. My name is Corey Ensko, and I'm here with my two new friends, David Gessler and Matt Swift. How y'all doing? Hello. I'm good. How are you? Yeah. Doing pretty well. Thanks for having us back. Yeah. We made it. I mean, I was going to say, yeah. but that means we didn't do too terrible last time. Uh, right. You passed the test enough <laughs> that we kept you on for another episode. You're still in the probationary period <laughs> where like, we can easily fire you, but, That's but right idea. now That's you're still, we haven't, we haven't passed the, that moment yet. Good thing I'm doing this for free. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We are here once again at Salute Cerveceria, uh, sitting in the reserved corner table, which I feel like we need to put a plaque on. That's the yeah, Mid City Soccer Show plaque. This is our table and no one can touch it. <laughs> That's right. Because we're taking ownership of this table right here to, to record our <laughs> podcast on. I'll get with Jason next time on that. <laughs> We're sitting here drinking delicious beer, hanging out at Salude, uh, which is a wonderful space in Noah that you should definitely check out if you have not already. Uh, but we had a pretty exciting guest this week, and I'm saying it in the past tense because in the magic of podcasting, we already recorded the interview and magic. we're going to we're recording the intro now. So we already know what happened. That's but right. you don't know what happened as a listener. But we had a pretty exciting guest this week. We did. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you who it is yet. Oh wow! But we're gonna tease and we're gonna th- figure out a witty title so people don't know who it is quite yet. <laughs> Maybe we'll do shower orange again. I don't know. We'll see. Oh no! We didn't ask him about shower orange. Which we didn't. Really sad about that. We should. Mm. We should have brought that up. Well, Johnny's Johnny's not here, so I felt That's weird. <laughs> I felt weird. I felt weird <laughs> about talking about it. And that, even if he was here, I'd feel weird talking about it. So let's just not talk. It's a weird it. thing to talk about. And we should only let Johnny bring it up anytime that he's here and not, not do it otherwise. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll, I'm going to break the news. Uh, we talked to Charlotte FC president uh, Nick Kelly for Ooh. a solid hour. And uh, what I think, so I wasn't on microphone. I had to give my microphone to, to Nick. Uh, which is great. I feel like my microphone has been blessed by, by Nick Kelly of, of Charlotte It's a noble FC. sacrifice. Right. So I couldn't be on microphone, so I got to listen. But what I thought was just a really a really great interview that, that we got some really good questions in there, but he was also just really, I thought, open and honest about a lot of things that were happening around the team from a lot of different aspects. Broke some news in there, which I think is really cool, but just... I enjoyed hearing from him just being kind of really straightforward and honest and not, you know, trying to dance around questions and, and telling us where things are as far as the team goes. He, he was super honest. I, I, you know, I appreciate his transparency about everything. I mean, just being on the supporter group council with other supporter groups. I mean, that's one thing that he's always been is like he's been upfront and honest about anything he's, you know, said he's going to do. And, you know, I think he does the same thing when he comes up here tonight. It's been great. Yeah. So, you know, he started in, in February, and uh, from day one, he's been super super accessible to everybody. Uh, supporter groups, you know, fans, you know, he, he's reading comments, he's replying. So uh, it's something that I've really appreciated about him. I feel like a stereotype with politicians is like, he's a guy I like to have a beer with. <laughs> and, sure. and not that he's a politician, but like he really was the guy you could have a beer with and talk about soccer, and it was very natural and didn't feel like he was, you know, um, trying to toe the company line or trying to be cagey about anything. So it was really nice to just like sit down talk about soccer with him and, and yep. hear about what the future of this, this, this club and, and their vision for it is. So, uh, we have that coming up next. Very exciting conversation. Again, we broke some news about a, uh, on a couple of fronts about things going on, uh, with the team. So you'll definitely want to listen to that before we get there. 
I feel like we need to do our uh, <laughs> our traditional, very professional ad reads. So yeah. we'll be right back after a quick break. Johnny. Uh, Johnny's not so, here. As I said, some awkward silence there that we're not supposed to do on radio, our podcast, right? That's right. This is my first uh, Missy soccer, <laughs> soccer show without Johnny, so not really sure where to go with this. But we're going to do our uh, our ad read. Like I said, we are here at Salud Cerveceria. And our know, free ad read. Our free ad read. Mm. We're, we're, we're not good at making money, Mm-mm. so we're good at trading talking about beer for getting beer mm-hmm. um so i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's working out for us pretty well so far so uh i'll i'll just kind of go around and say matt what are you drinking tonight i'm having the same thing as i did last time the una fria i'm not going to do the italian accent because my Ooh, wife italian, made, i think you need so it. good last time. she made fun so of me good. oh it was great and you don't uh, have to do it again i'm not going to force uh, you but like, like i enjoyed the, i enjoyed the italian accent yeah last I, time. I, I, i've had it again and it's <laughs> it's really good it's really, really good. I highly recommend it. It's got a really cool can. Yeah. Um, it's got a race car on it. Yeah, it's got a race car on the can. It's an Italian it's just, race car. Yeah. It's really tasty. I highly recommend it. And I'll, and I'll jump in and do mine before I, before I let David go because I had that for the first time tonight. I didn't have it last time, and it was, yeah. it was delicious. I didn't want to get anything else. I really yeah. just wanted this again. I mean, I like Pilsners, but I always pick something else. But, you know, I was trying to kind of cool it down from the IPAs I was having earlier. And, and so I decided to get some a little bit lower alcohol and uh, it was delicious. So definitely recommend the Unifria. How about you, David? What you drinking? So I'm going to I'm gonna read off the can here, but it is Fiesta Fiesta. Mm. So Ooh. it is a lime lager with a little bit of tajin added to it as well. So, what is that? Um, it is like, like a spice added to it. It's chilies, it's pepper. It's What's it called bit, again? What's it called? I, I don't, so, I mean, tajin? maybe I say this wrong. I don't know. We'll, we'll, say it again. We'll, we'll, we'll find out at the end of this podcast if I said this incorrect or not. But uh, as I got the look of uh, blank looks while I was reading this, we'll see if I said it right or not. But it is um, it is a lime lager with a little bit of kick to it. So it is uh, quite delicious. It sounds it's, yummy. Uh, Salute has an extra spicy version if you want something that's super spicy definitely check it out when we talked about this earlier this is like the spicy that's not like spicy for spicy's sake but like right. flavor and spicy which I it's, feel like is the perfect type of spicy to do for a beer I don't feel like Jason is brewing it here at Salute to like hurt me I feel like it's just like a nice cleansing like kick to it so it's, it's, it's quite refreshing I appreciate that well, check out Salud Cerveceria or the Salud Downstairs, the original, the, the best beer bar in the country. Right. Uh, again, they're not paying us, but other than giving us a corner table and occasionally free beer. So we appreciate them and they're great. And the Mint City Noda chapter meets downstairs too. So a good place to check out if you're in the area. Oh, la fria. There Here it go. is. There you go. That's, That's where we ended. It. Beautiful. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, David. How's it going? We made it back. We made it back. Week two, we're actually doing okay. I don't think uh, we were actually invited. We just showed up. We did. We just kind of showed up, took over Salute again, and brought our Yeti mics and made Corey come and brought a special guest with us this week. So, um, But with that, we're going to introduce someone kind of special here for us tonight, and we have the most amazing Nick Kelly. I appreciate you guys having me. I mean, I don't know if it was if it was my request to come to you guys instead of you guys coming to me. So I appreciate you guys having me. We'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Sorry, you know, we're new at this, so we'll, yeah. we'll take any kind of guests that want to be on our show. That's right. We'll see if anybody wants to show up after this this week. So, um, well, awesome. Well, thanks for thanks for stopping by again. Like we we were here last week at Salute. Um, 
Cerveza, and we're here to kind of just connect, have some fun, and ask some questions and get to know you and Perfect. ask some other things. So I'm going to hand it over to Matt so that way he can kind of ask you some questions. Perfect. So, yeah, Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, pretty big news, right? Big yeah. day. Two yeah. big announcements, right? Yeah, I mean, we started today with uh, Adam Armour, who is a 18-year-old defender on our side who uh, obviously has huge Carolina ties, uh, started up in the, the Raleigh area and was playing for NCFC, which is a great program, and played some U-17 U.S. national team for a while. So for us to have both the you know his U.S. national team experience plus playing mm -hmm. for, for a great you know, academy team has been awesome. But you know, unfortunately for him, he went to Nuremberg for you know during the middle of COVID, which right. created tons of challenges. <laughs> yeah. Right. But at the same time, I think that you know we're lucky to have him back. So with him going to the independence and having the opportunity to stay close to us, us okay. to be able to monitor his training, him to be able to work with somebody like Brant, uh, also puts us in a position too where like we're going to set him up for success. So. That's our first big one today. It was it was good. Good start to the week. Yeah. yeah. Now that's that's pretty exciting. So yeah, how did how was he identified? Who? Yeah, I mean, fortunately for us is that you know, we have a, a lot of people within our scouting department and our technical department who have been scouting this market for years. So even mm. prior to Charlotte FC being here, and I think one of the most disappointing things for us is that there's a lot of talent that has left the Carolinas prior to Charlotte FC. Right. Uh, you look across the MLS and you even look across even some of these, uh, you know, second or third division European teams. And what we're seeing is that, you know, had we had an academy system in place three, four or five years from now, I mean, we'd have an amazing, you know, starting first year team. It's just that we weren't here. So he's one of those guys that would have slipped through the cracks uh, because of that. So for us to be able to actually have the ability to go back and grab them uh, is extremely rare. And, and honestly, it's one of the few things that COVID has been a delivery of a benefit to us. And I think that we're lucky to have him. I think that also, too, is that he's an amazing kid. So for him to also want to come now down to here, play 15 games or so for the independents locally, for us to work yeah. with him, him to work with Brant, like, that's that's big for us. So. And for those who don't know or haven't seen the news, right, so Adam, um, I pretty young kid. I, I was mm -hmm. telling Matt earlier, I feel pretty old when I'm watching and looking him up, is that he was born on, in 2002. So that's, that's <laughs> I'm where so I'm, old, I'm, so I'm old. feeling, a little, feeling a little the age there a little bit. But um, so he spent some time with the Academy at NCFC, was on their the USL squad there. And he's also spent some time with the United States U17 team as well. Um, he had 19 mm -hmm. appearances with the team there. Um, so like going back to like what you were saying, like you guys were watching him ahead of time and before he left. Um, so where do you see him kind of fitting in on the team? Like, we're, we're obviously back line, right? But, like, where do you see, I guess, it's early to, to tell. But where do you see him fitting it's in? It's early to tell right now. I mean, to be perfectly honest, though, when you look at our roster between Jan Sobosiski and Sergio and even on top of that, Christian Fuchs, like, he's going to have to spend some time, you know, developing. And developing, yeah, yeah, right. you know, because not only did it take the age out of it, we've seen extremely successful kids at 18, 17 in the MLS, but, you know, he's got some very seasoned, you know, Sergio was a, you know, final 11 for uh, Las Palmas, and we also have Christian Fuchs, who's a legend. I mean, it's going to be hard for him to beat one of those guys out, but for him to, if he's smart, and which he is, and we'll force him to, to, to really kind of be in a position to learn from these guys. And we signed him into a two-and-a-half-year contract, so he's in a position to have time to learn and develop to where by the time, if he's getting some, some, some game time next year and some starts, you know, in his second year, he'll be in, a, in the driver's seat to kind of deliver where he wants to be. And our goal is to kind of get him back on track because – he was really on track to be extremely successful in the COVID. Yep. He's, he's really kind of one of the casualties of COVID because to have the opportunity to go to Nuremberg and then literally have it kind of taken away from you because of COVID, like we just needed to get some playing time. So that's really what's next up for him. 
Yeah, and I, I think what you, you kind of hinted at it there earlier with like spending some time with independents, with grants and players here locally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know they have some really experienced players that are independents, like Hugh in the back line that yeah. you can learn from. And then you mentioned again, too, you got Christian Fuchs, who's going to be able to, I mean, if I was 18 years old, 19 years old, yeah. if I can learn yeah, from an sure. English Premier League, you know, champion yeah. i think it'd be amazing to learn from yeah and our, and our goal is to actually get christian down here you know sooner rather than later to actually spend more time in charlotte from everything from like developing a lot of community programs to also to, to spend time with somebody like adam right. uh and spend time honestly with us to help develop a lot of the programs we're doing so because he's got so much you know experience doing it i think the other piece is is that somebody like adam who has the opportunity to even just have dinner with them and to have like conversations about career and things like that like that's worth the time yeah. so the one person too on our staff who's going to be a huge help is darius barnes because he right he right. grew up in the same area yep. he went through the almost the exact same process um adam armor committed to duke but ended up coming to us on the professional side nice. and you know darius went to duke played at duke and ended up going to play for the revolution so i think that between the market together and also just kind of almost similar career paths our hope would be is that darius can also lean into helping him and make sure he goes the right route and is making the right decisions when will adam join the independence is it like right away or is it it's Right away-ish. I think we're working our way through physicals and things like that. So I would expect probably second week, third week of July, he'll be there for training. We also want to make sure he's like training and he's not just thrown into a game situation. But I mean, the hope would be is that he's training at that point. We start seeing him in games in July, early August. Well, that might be a perfect time if, if you can get there that you know segue there. We have an event there at the Independence mid-July. I think That's the right. 17th they play uh, – Red, Red Bulls, Bulls too. Red Bulls yeah. too. Yep. Um, and if he's there at that time, it'd be yeah, a perfect introduction to some supporter groups, Mint City Collective, other members there. I think it'd be a, a great time. Yeah. Well, I think the big thing for us too is that we've used Brent for almost everything we've had so far. <laughs> so it's now it's time to share the love and use use Adam on everything. The only problem we have is a lot of our events are at breweries, so we can't exactly bring an 18-year-old. So. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. That, that's that's making right. me feel old again there with that, with that 2002 we'll uh, figure it out. That date of birth there. Yeah. So. so, all right. So we've got Brent at Independence. We're going to have Adam. Is this kind of a, the trend that's going to be anybody that we bring in that's a little maybe younger? That's I think I think for right now, I mean, the independents have been great partners, especially right. with us not having a reserve team yep. to yep. be able to go to them. It's them being in the champion level division two within USL mm-hmm. is like they're getting great competition. So like it's it's it puts us in a position to be extremely fortunate. Mm-hmm. I think between now and the time we start our season next year, this is probably the path we may see a lot of uh, our younger talent or even talent we've identified that may or may not be on the team but we want to take a you know a greater a better look at they're definitely been an amazing partner on that long term I, I we don't we really don't know but i think for the time being it's been great i mean yeah. i think that the best part we can go down to matthews and watch them train during the week and now that we can go to memorial stadium for a five minute ride like yeah it's not bad awesome. at all you can, you can walk to the stadium <laughs> it's great so like it's i don't know that we're going to change it anytime soon but it also becomes much more of a you guys saw the news on the MLS2 stuff, so we have yep. to kind of figure out what is our long-term strategy. And so that's where, you know, for the time being, they're an amazing partner. Long-term, we're just trying to get this team off the ground first, and then we'll forward more worry about the reserves further down the road. So I'm, I'm going to go off the cuff here just for a second because you hinted at it or mentioned it a second ago about the reserves. So mm-hmm. with, with our academy finishing up with the, the MLS Next Tournament, and some of them this is their first season, mm-hmm. and they're starting to become mm-hmm. 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do we foresee like a reserve team kind of coming to come into life anytime soon or like yeah we're, so realistically we'll be we'll have our reserve team in place in 2023 uh, what you'll see us do with a lot of these eight you know kids who are aging out of our u17 teams yep. we've been working closely with them and their families to identify opportunities to train with either 
if they're from Raleigh, to go back and train with the, either the NCFC U19 team awesome. or even, honestly, the USL program. Same thing here. We've actually got a couple players who will train with the independents and, you know, have the opportunity to, at the very least, train, if, yep. in, if not get some playing time. Uh, all of these kids have amazing, you know, college opportunities but i think it's just figuring out we're in a unique spot as a startup uh, franchise that we don't have the 19s or the reserves where if you look at somebody like red bull or whatever they sure. have 17 19 and reserve we just need to make sure that we have given them an opportunity to continue to develop and i think that so as that as that becomes the case like that's our hope we don't know until we have a head coach we won't know how many players we have the ability to actually bring to training camp so we also don't want to give the false promise that hey we're going to bring you to training camp so that that is very much a we're being transparent and honest with the parents so you know right now though nobody's being like hung out to dry we're literally finding the right location for continued development but this whole process will evolve over the next 18 months as we get a reserves team and we continue to develop that's awesome that you guys are at least helping the kids out in you know setting them up for success with other it's tough, you know, and I think the one thing with soccer for us, too, is just, like, the Carolinas have such a, a long history of it, and there's so yeah. many great development programs. We don't want to hang any of these kids out to dry because they took a risk on us. Yeah. And, and, and this isn't one of those, like, pro sports where you didn't make pros after you're 21 or 22 in college and now go get a job. Like, these right. kids still have the opportunity to go to college, so we don't want to, like, mess them up in the head at 17 and not put them in a position to be successful. Yeah. So. Something that I'm interested in, and the only reason why I'm on the podcast is I literally just want to ask questions that I want to know. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so I, I'm interested in the in the contracts. How are you guys, um, you know, it's a new team. How are you guys trying to structure the contracts? You know, Christian just on like the one-year deal. Adam signing for two years. How do you guys go about determining how many years are on the contract? It varies from from from, from uh player to player I think that you look at somebody like uh, Christian uh, it, it very much is a he wants to be in the MLS he wants to come to a, uh, have the opportunity to start something from scratch he's played all these storied franchises from mm-hmm. being in Austria to Leicester to everywhere else that right. you know, for him to be a part of something from the start like from his business perspective he's got this entrepreneurial mentality he wants yep. to come spend a lot of time here to learn how to build and so yeah. he may be here a year he'll definitely be here a year but he may have so much fun and we may enjoy it, see him perform at a high level that he wants to he and us both want to have him but you look at Adam Armour who we signed to a two and a half year it's a project because mm-hmm. he's still 18 we haven't seen him play in a year and a half so mm-hmm. we want to make sure like he could show up and literally learn overnight from the uh, Sergio's or learn from Christian Fuchs and halfway through the season next year we're at least protected because he's turned into a superstar and I think that that's the one thing for us that as we as we look to build this is we want the flexibility because we're taking a lot of risk right now on early signings because we don't know what they're going to look like a year from now versus when we start signing people in December or January they just wrapped up and we're literally asking them to show up two months later we know kind of what we're getting you know that's where it's also too when we look at somebody like Riley like seeing him play at the highest level in the Olympics and seeing Sergio being so successful we know that we're going to get them at the top of their game and when we get some of these other guys we want to make sure that like they're not sitting around for six months so this is why we would loan somebody like Adam to the independence we need a top level training yep. so, I, mean, I know you mentioned like Christian being a very much uh, entrepreneur yeah, yeah, yeah. he has like the no fuchs given t-shirt mm-hmm. right yeah, but yeah. Um, I know Matt once asked a question about that, but like this is just a little nugget for Johnny with the NFTs. But like Christian even launched his own NFT yes, like a, yeah, a few weeks right. ago, which we is crazy, a, right? We had a good story. So we sat, I, we we took him to dinner when he was in town a couple weeks ago, and I sat next to him, and 
he showed me every business venture he's trying to do. <laughs> and he's got a lot like, going on. Man, he's got a clothing line. He's yeah. got a, I think it's vodka. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's got that's a right. vodka yeah. line. Yeah. He was looking for a distiller in North Carolina. He was, uh, right. man, he's got like, he's got a clothing line that has like the skulls like yeah, on yeah, like, that's and stuff. Right. Yeah, I saw that on sports team. Yeah. He's got, a, I mean, he's just, cr- I mean, he's crazy all the stuff yeah. he's doing, which is, which is fun to have a guy like that around because yeah. like he now yeah. comes to the U.S. where his wife and family lives and right. he's going to be a permanent resident. Yeah. And, you know, the best part for us is that when we sign him, he's not an international signing. He's an American yeah. signing because he has a green card. But we have him, and the best part is, is like he's gonna come to us with all these crazy ideas, which is amazing. Can they and they, they the esports stuff, and we build yeah. our EMLS per, uh, per person. Like, oh yeah, he'll be in nice. that. He's done it now for four or five years, so That's he'll be cool. our guy helping like advise. He's had some amazing like FIFA players over in Europe, so like oh, if he wants nice. to come in and help, nice. we're all in. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that. He is super like active on social as well. Yeah. Just looking at his Twitter account right now, he has he's following eighty six and a half thousand people. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how do you even like? What does that feed look am like? I, am I one of I, am I one of those? I don't people? know if you're one of them. I'm, yeah. I'm definitely uh, not. He so. might be one of those guys that follows everybody back. I, think <laughs> yeah. so, so. I wondered if he's actually like managing it or if it's somebody else. So, yeah. oh, he's on it. Like, is he? yeah. He's on it. So, <laughs> one of, one of the things I want I want to go back just a little bit. Yep. So, with the you know, Adam signed for two years with that. The year option. How does the for people that don't know, how does the option work? Is it different or it's different? It? So I mean, sometimes it's a player option, sometimes it's a club option, sometimes okay. it's a mutual option. So it really just depends on the scenario. Okay. And depending on who the player is, it's typically what what you know where the control lives. Okay. So, and I think the other part about it is this is such a as big of an industry as soccer is as a global sport. Whereas in the NFL, you got thirty teams and a couple agents, and this is a global sport. These guys represent are represented by so few people that you want to make sure you're treating the player in the best interest of the player. So it is a it's a reputational business. So we want to make sure that if for whatever reason one of these players it wants to go home, like they, like Sergio Reese is Spanish, and for whatever reason he just didn't love the Carolinas, right? And he's like, I just want to go home. Right. We don't want to hold somebody hostage. But at the same time, we want to have the ability to come back and tell teams in Spain, like, hey, you know, we've got this great player, which is a great player, and go back. So. And it's very common. This happens all the time. This right. is, you especially see it a lot of times in the MLS where you'll have players who come here by themselves, don't speak English, and like they just don't perform, and it's the club option to like keep them or do whatever. So that gives, at least gives the club some protection to find a team who wants to take them. And, and if you're a responsible club, you'll send them back to wherever they want to go because they may not want to go back to their home country, but they want to go somewhere that speaks their language. So you want to be responsible there. And that's the one thing I think that we continue to preach is like we want to be you know a fans club and a players club because we want players who want to come here because like we're looking out for them so it'll take years to build that credibility but it also sure. we have that protection in place to where if it doesn't work out we're not going to all of a sudden just hang you out the dry yeah so that's interesting because one of one of the things that uh i want to i want to ask is when someone like sergey they, they come over they need a they need a place to live oh yeah right um, they have to know where to go buy groceries. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. So who at the team does that, and how is that going to work, and how important is that? It's extremely important. So I think it's the one thing that's been fun and also just like eye-opening to a lot of the Panthers side, the, the Tepper Sports group, is that if you got drafted, you're J.C. Horn, and you got drafted out of South Carolina, mm-hmm. or if you're any of our, the guy who got drafted out of Utah, yep. the reality is you're still in the United States, and you still understand how the basics work, right. and you still speak English. The thing we're st- we're going to struggle with, and we are building a team right now to do this, and 
we're gonna have probably anywhere from five to eight people that speak either Spanish, Portuguese, or Polish, Polish, yeah. or yeah, yeah. something. You know, their their English is not great. So yeah, yeah. we very much are gonna have to one. Sergio Ruiz is a good example. We are our academy tutor is tutoring him and his girlfriend now once a week oh, on English. Cool. So like yeah. by the time he gets here in six months, like he'll at least have the baseline. But like, those are the types of things that we try and educate them on how to speak English. But the second part is we have a whole group is I'm going to help you find an apartment. Right. And if you need a car, get you a car. Because think about this from the simplest standpoint is I move here from whatever country it is and I'm 18 years old. I don't have a credit score. I don't have a social security <laughs> yeah. number. I can't even lease a car. I can't rent a car. So like we have to work closely with our partners to be like, hey, I'm gonna have 10 guys that come in from all these countries. We will take it straight out of their paycheck to pay for the car, but like they'll do insurance, they'll do whatever, but they would never be able to do the basics because they just don't have those types of things. So it's a whole nother level of that. And even too, the family becomes the most important piece because these, you know, wives and girlfriends or even kids who come to the game, if they're asking how to get to this seat or this location, it's hard because I can I can guarantee you as, as good as our game day staff is going to be, not everybody's going to be able to speak Spanish or speak whatever. So we're going to have to work closely to make sure that we're taking care of them because the worst thing that can happen from a competition standpoint is that, and we've seen this happen from talking to teams, is that we've talked to team presidents, team owners, and they'd have a player who's is off and they'd be like, well, what happened? Oh, well, his, his wife got stuck in the parking lot, couldn't get in, and he was caught, she was blowing up his phone 15 minutes before the game started. Ooh, it's like, nice. yeah. But it's basic yeah, right, stuff. Yeah. Right. Like we can take care of the players and more importantly their family there's less stress so as much as we can do to eliminate that but it'll be a three-person team that that's all they, and, and think about the basics that I didn't think about it's like we've got to find somewhere where they can go get their haircut and be able to speak in that language and explain yeah. what they want to yeah. all the way down to like just finding other friends so yeah. we've worked closely with like especially the uh, the Latin American uh, Chamber of Commerce and some others oh, cool. just to literally okay. bring them in board to be like Help us out. Yep. So it's a lot better than using Duolingo and saying here you go. Right? <laughs> I've, been I've been using that every morning when I work out. It's like I'll do that for about half it's an hour. Great, it's great, but it, it, it's a lot. What you guys are doing is a lot yeah. more efficient and a lot more professional than hey, download an app and learn yeah. Spanish and how to say orange. Put everything back into Google Translate. And right. Figure it out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Um, well, let's let's pivot to the other big uh, news yeah. that you have. Yeah, there. I mean, our next one big is that we uh, we've announced that we're going to do a. Uh, a national search for a chief fan officer so what that is is essentially going to be a conduit between the front office and our ownership group to all fans maybe more specifically in year one our, our supporters because i think that it's important as we build game day traditions everything from the march and tifos and chants and you name it to community events we have a true conduit to us uh 24 7 not just hey help me get my you know my flags and my drums in the stadiums um, you know, we've talked to a lot of like teams within the league and they t they all have some sort of position there. Most of them didn't do it until a couple years in. So for us to be able to come in and do it before it starts is important. And the second part is too, doing it at a level of somebody who is senior enough to be able to balance the big personalities of our front office, plus the multiple the stakeholder groups to, to, to come and make everybody happy is not the right word, but everybody sure. understanding of what's going on mm -hmm. is the most important piece. So. 
Uh, so the, I think the biggest difference for soccer fans as compared to other sports is that soccer fans have much more control and influence over the game day traditions. Because when you look at an NBA game or an MLB game or even the NFL, every time there's an inning change or a commercial break, there is all of this scripted sponsor content or scripted video content that the team controls. You're stuck for 45 minutes with none of that with soccer and all of the entertainment and all of the energy is driven exclusively by the supporters group. So their influence truly matters much more than the actual what you can generate as a team. So I think that that has put us in a position of making sure we're providing all of the possible opportunities to our fan base to make sure we have a home field advantage is important. And that's why we're pushing hard on everything from we've got to be at 30,000 we've got to have real fans we've got to have all this because if we don't then there is no competitive advantage and we continue to push the fact that like if we want to have the best team or recruit the best players they've got to be, want to show up because they know they have all these five or six advantages so so I, I, being on the council right yep. I, I know um, it, it's a pretty big deal because it's going to be that liaison between us and the team right um, and it, I know there's gonna be times where we're probably told no, which is which is fine. Like we're gonna push back from time to time, and there's gonna be times where they're gonna come to you and you're gonna say no, right? But I think having that point of contact, which is great. I know you love talking with us, and the people at the team love talking directly to us. But having a central point of contact is gonna be really key when it does come to those game day logistics. But then I think you hinted at it as well, like being involved in the community and being involved like out and about, I think it's going to be really big. But I also think it goes back to two, right? And if you, if you take a look back at some of the stuff that has been road bumps for us, where it's just like the ability to have somebody to be able to soft sound what we are planning to do with season ticket members, with supporters sure. council, with just regular supporters, and even fans who are never going to make it to a game, soft sounding like, hey, here's what we're thinking about for season ticket prices hey this is what we're thinking about for a mascot here's what we're thinking about all these things right it's literally instead of us coming out and then getting the backlash to have people have an influence because i don't expect everybody to love everything we're doing but for them to have a say like hey this would be okay if i'd rather learn it now and not learn it right three four weeks down the road after we've already like fell in love with our idea so i think that that's why it's it's that's why it's much more than a game day liaison to it's like I'm gonna help you get in and have a good game day. So yeah. so you don't want to find out about it on Twitter later. Yeah, look, and I mean you guys know I'm addicted to that stuff, so it's just very much. Uh, I think that the Twitter stuff doesn't bother me. I think that yeah. the, what bothers me sometimes is when we shoot ourselves in the foot, where sure. it's very much a we haven't listened or we're in a, we're in a position where four or five e- easy conversations that could have happened since mm-hmm. to, to eliminate this. Um, so and that's why this I think this is a challenging job because it's more so of a you are a I'm almost looking for like a chief communicator and it's not a I don't need press releases we have a team for that but it's literally like letting us know what everybody's saying and also telling everybody what we're doing so nobody's surprised because it's we can't what we don't want to have happen is that we're never going to come and say hey these are the game day traditions at the same time we don't expect you guys to come back to us and say here's what we're doing and the reason we want to say is this is why we want this you guys do the same thing but we also need to, you can't have that conversation in January. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why, that's why we, we want to have this job hired by the end of August, early September. That'll give us six months to figure it out. So, which is plenty, because we're talking about, about at that point, a lot of the specifics from a, from an investment standpoint, our TIFO rigging's almost up, all that. Like, we have all the hard stuff done. Now it's very much a, it's subjective. Because you guys are all going to have discussions on what you guys think the right chance are and what mm-hmm. the right choreography is. And we really are going to sit there and listen and try and just be more, not even like more of just a bring the feedback back internally of like, hey, this is great. We've seen X, Y, and Z. 
And the other part is we really need more than anything else. We need to make sure you guys trust us. If we say no, there's probably a reason. There's, yeah. It's not us as being a jerk. So... <laughs> Wait, I, so you, you touched on the first question I was going to follow up on is like time frame wise, potentially mm-hmm. August, September, just because, I mean, it makes sense, right? We want to be, we want to be rocking all cylinders before kickoff, right? And yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a couple things. So like Dave has talked about his, you know, warm up party a couple of times. Yeah. Now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, so I think that our goal would be is we have our warm up party in October, uh, which would probably put the position. So we want the position appointed by the end of August, early, early September. We're going to cut off entries at the end of July, but that gives us about a month to truly drill in on some of the candidates. You know, we're going to work with our internal group of, of a typical hiring process. It'll be myself, Darius, given his soccer experience, and then Ellie, who is our, our head of HR. So it's kind of a typical hiring, but what makes it a little bit unique is we'll, we'll have a, a pretty senior executive from Ally because them being our biggest partner and also being probably the closest to the fans helps. And then we'll have our supporters council all weigh in because we can't disappoint somebody and be like, all right, now talk to this person. Like we need to have somebody there, which I think is extremely important. It's one of the things we actually learned from talking to a bunch of the teams <laughs> was we would, they would throw in some 27, 25 year old kid and be like, good luck. And they would already, and so it's just like, yeah, that's exactly. And they would never even consult. So we want to make sure we're doing that. I think that the other piece is for us is that we want to make sure that we're in a position that, um, you know, getting them in September, the logistical stuff we want to work out in October, and then all of the subjective things between that we can, you know, control. We spend October, November, December, January getting on getting it in place. So, so for all those people who are going to be listening, because we have millions of listeners probably, right? So big stuff, have big stuff, right? Um, so if you had to like describe who you're looking for, right? Like what would you say? So that way, all those people who are on this podcast that are listening know how to apply and what yeah. what, what you're looking for. So we'll, you can apply at um, cltfanofficer.com, uh, and basically what we'll have is that. It's the opportunity to go in, and we're looking for somebody with, you know, a unique background of either communications, a unique background in uh, politics, or even just crisis management. And that's not like we expect a crisis, but sure. it's very much a. These are very tense situations because, look, I think we'll all love each other and go hand in hand going into the first game. By mid-season, there's always going to be something that we disagree with because there will be a something that happens in security or something that happens in game day logistics sure. where. It's just not going to work out, and we need somebody who can handle that. We also need people who can handle, too, just, like, a lot of big personalities. Myself, Mr. Tepper, you guys, everybody. is like, it's just, it's a lot. And we also need somebody who's smart enough to understand who all the stakeholders are because it's not just the team and the supporters group. It's It's also those fans who are watching on TV. It's also those fans who just may never get to a game so like it's it's, it's stakeholder management so honestly i i think that it, that's why we have ally involved because they're a huge company that looks at these resumes every day on our side too if we're looking for somebody who's a a big soccer fan but at the same time you know we don't need them to be a charlotte fc fan because what we need them to be is they'll fall in love with us and they'll fall in love with everything we do but we need them to be, be very business-like organized strategic and focused so I'd love to say there's a perfect resume, but we've talked about this for about a month now. I don't know if there is one. So. Well, I'm glad that you said they have to handle big personalities because I know Matt Swift here has a huge personality <laughs> that's that right. going to have to handle. Yeah. So. I will give them all types of hell. Yeah. Oh. Awesome. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm super excited about it. I mean, I know um, being on the council with Met City Collective and other supporter groups, I know it's, I think it's a good good position to have, especially before the game kicks off. So. Yeah, look, and I think for the biggest part for us that we, we keep trying to reinforce, we've talked to the league and we've talked to other teams, is like, 
I think their hope would be is that they understand that one, the timing, and two, the seniority we're going to try and put on this. Like this person reports directly to me, they'll have time with myself, our owner, everybody else. Is like this isn't a seven rungs down from the president job who just handles the logistics. And I think that that's what makes it a little bit more unique. So it's a it's a big job, and I think that that's why we've kind of elevated it. Yeah, I, I like that you're doing this now, and, and you mentioned a couple times how important has it been to reach out to other teams to learn from their mistakes. <laughs> it's interesting. So we, I've, I've talked to just about every team president at this point. Okay. Um, and they've all been extremely open. The one great thing about the MLS is everybody wants the MLS to do well. So there is no, as much as like we may hate Atlanta or whoever hates us, like it's very much a, as long as they're doing well, we all do well. And so that's the one thing that's been extremely positive about it. Um, I will say that there is certain teams who have been very forthcoming on, I wish it would have done this earlier. I wish I wouldn't have done this. And that's my always my same question. We were down in uh, Dallas this past weekend, and we met with uh, Mr. Hunt, and we met with Jimmy, who's their COO, and we had a, a good conversation about what would you not waste your time on in year one? Because they've been around for a long time, and like yep. just seeing like what would you not waste your time on, or what would you have done more of? And those are the types of conversations we want to have because every day matters and every day is important. But like, they've been wide open, and I tell you who's been the best has really been. Um, you know the teams you wouldn't imagine would be the best because like they're that good like Portland's wide open LAFC's wide open Atlanta Seattle like the best teams are wide open because they understand the value of making everybody else better like because they want to bring the sport up to their level so seeing those guys like the first couple phone calls I got for from those teams so like that's extremely reassuring that that's the case so and that's awesome you're learning from other teams and other presidents and other organizations yeah. I mean I know Mr. Hunt and that family has been pretty, pretty impactful, not just for MLS, but for other sports as well. And too. the coolest thing going down there was besides watching like the Academy and a bunch of other like Academy level teams compete this week was, um, you know, they have the, they have the hall of fame there. And yep. I mean, they put a lot of money in the state of Texas and U S soccer and everybody else there. It's awesome. Like it's one of the night it's, I mean, you, you can like go to a soccer match and then you can literally walk into the hall of fame and, I mean, they've done an amazing job, and the, the the history the Hunt family has in actually like building soccer, like this isn't like a side project for them. Like, you know, Mr. Hunt's like all in on it. So, I mean, that's what they do in Texas, right? They do everything big, right? That's right. That's what they're known for. Yeah. It was probably big before they built the star. Now it's kind of it's no case size. <laughs> well, well, let's stick let's stick with Texas. So let's talk about the academy. You were just down there, and I know you you came back yeah. just to be on this yeah, podcast. Well, this I'm here for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so the academy team was in the uh, first inaugural MLS Next uh, tournament, yep. uh, made the playoffs, uh, and that was held at the Dallas uh, Metroplex. Yeah, so it's a, basically they have this huge, um, they call it World Cup Plaza, and it's the FC Dallas Stadium, plus, uh, man, they had like 20 fields that are like, crazy. Wow, they're all pristine, yeah. so it was awesome. But they had about 120 teams out there, single elimination. And it was it was good for our kids. If you think about it, as our academy, our U17s, we play two 14-year-olds, a bunch of 15-year-olds. We play very few 16, 17-year-old kids. Right, right. So like we're always younger. And so the first match I saw was when we played St. Louis. Right. St. Louis has like big boys. Like they're literally <laughs> like big 17-year-old kids. And like we've got a bunch of little kids out there 
who are extremely talented. So for them to play against the size sure. was extremely good for us. And for us to get a win on that was yeah. awesome. But then you play somebody like FC Dallas, which is like probably the premier developmental right. like yeah. group. I think and they've had some success over the past few yeah. years. Yeah, they've been there. okay. So <laughs> They've had some good players yeah. come out they've of there, They've had right? a couple guys there. Yeah. Yeah. Weston McKinney was there when we were there. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a so-so name. Right? Yeah, I guess he's okay, he's okay I guess. Um, yeah. we, but we were down there, and um, you know we looked good in the first half, but I think at that point it just really shows of – where we have to get and yep. you know mark nichols who's who's our technical director and dan like our, our hope was that the outcome we had which is like beat who you're supposed to beat and then really get in a position of competing against the best talent and see like where do you need to get to and i think that it was good for us it was really good for a lot of our 14 and 15 year olds too, sure. to see because dallas had 14 15 year olds too so like it was very much an, an interesting to see like but these guys have been playing together since they were 11 or 12 we just started so yep. it's showing like the cohesion of being teammates for three or four years and then all of a sudden being 15 or 16 playing on a 17 team i mean they were a, they were a professional academy yeah. <laughs> so they look great yeah so we won the first game beat st louis one one nil yeah. and then uh played dallas lost 4-1 there yeah. and then I think we lost again today. Yeah, they're another one. I mean, yeah. NYCFC is a good one, and I think that they've they've been around for a while. I think it's just becomes uh, we've beat up a lot of people this this season because uh, we have had the ability to train. We've got some amazing talent, but I think it's we've played the same four or five teams over sure. and over again. And I think that for them to get some exposure to some of the bigger teams has been great because it's all about development. So if these guys can continue to develop by seeing this. The good thing is post-COVID, we'll be in a position where we're seeing a lot more of these teams that we don't see a lot. So, like, the ability for them to play a team like a New York Red Bulls in the future or the opportunity to play even, like, the Revolution, because we pretty much rotated D.C. United, uh, Columbus a couple times, Atlanta a couple times. We got Miami. Miami. So, And then we would play non-MLS teams. And, and some of these guys are really good, like these academies. But we may play our 17s against 19s or whatever. And so it became a little bit of a – but now that COVID's kind of, you know, lightening up, hopefully by the time we get there, hopefully we'll get more consistent competition uh, to, to help push and develop. And, that, and we'll continue, at least for the time being, until we can kind of continue to fill our roster to play younger kids in upper divisions to, to continue to push them. So, I mean, what was that experience like for you to go out there and see that? And then I guess, like, what's next? So, like, their season's officially done, but, like, what's what's the next steps heading into the next season? Yeah, so it's uh, so it's great to actually go out there and see, look, all the parents came, which awesome. was, was awesome to see. Because for, especially if you're, like, one of the aging out um, kids, that we have five of them. It was probably their last time they'll play for us. They're always, we'll have a lot of these guys train with us in the fall, especially if, they're training with the independents, they're training with NCSC. We'll still have them come back and do training sessions with us. But I think that the big part was it was good to have like a lot of the 17s parents out there to see them. I think the other part well, for us too is a lot of these kids are going to be back. I yep. think that that's the exciting part that this is only the first year because we're playing up so many kids, uh, knowing that like you made it this far, you made like not every team necessarily made it to Dallas. Like this is a positive. We were, I think we were a 10 seed. Yep. So I think it puts us in a position of like there's a lot of positive momentum. Uh, the next thing for us, though, is that we'll have essentially one month off, six weeks off, and then we start academy practices in August. So, yeah. Wow. So, academy practice start up again in August. We'll have only a couple new kids. Uh, obviously, we're going to start that new uh, 14s team. So, and Jorge is going to be our, our, our guy for there. So, but we'll have a, a, a new team. So, we'll, total, we'll have another 30 kids, which is great. But I think that what you'll see from us is a, is a, is a pretty competitive fall, but our goal being now is like, there's now a lot of pressure on Dan and Mark to, and they know this, 
to go and out two years from now, three years from now, like producing talent that can actually make the first team. And then three years from now, four or five years from now, that can start for the first team. And, it, and you know, and, and, and doing a lot of research into all the other academies, it takes two to three years just to get anybody to make the team, and then it probably takes three to five to get anybody who's actually going to like contribute significantly. And then that's 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 taking out any like miracle guy you may get at some point but for the most part just that way you're developing the talent you're taking a guy who may or may not develop him over three years and you made him that good so but it'll probably take us another couple years so we see somebody who we're like oh he came up through the academy so yeah that's why we still add armor (laughs) (laughs) well that's interesting too you know we talked about you know people relocating like you know Sergio, Sergio coming here with with the academy too you have kids that are outside of Charlotte you know, Raleigh, all over the place. How does that work too? Getting them the games, the home state program. Like, how does that? That's the home state program is critical to our success in the long run because I think that as we continue to recruit talent, we had a lot of kids who came from the the Raleigh area, the Triad, stuff like that. So we had I think about six uh, home state programs this year. And we're trying to grow next year to a ten, and I think that it's a it's a big commitment from a family. And so it's a lot like back in sure. the day when minor league baseball families and like Durham would take in kids. Like it's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. But these are even younger because these kids are going to high school or, or or even middle school in some cases in your in your area. So you have to. Some of them can't drive. Most of them can't drive. So you're dropping them off at soccer practice. So you just added a kid. So. We have a huge appreciation for all of the stay-at-home parents uh, who do this because, and oftentimes what we've been lucky with is that it's typically a parent who has a kid who's on the academy in the marketplace. So, all right, hey, I'm already going to go drop, you know, this per- this kid off yeah. there. I'll bring another one. We've been like, so Dustin Swiner is a good example. He, he had a kid. It was great. Uh, there's a guy, and he probably doesn't want me to say his name, but Stephen Drummond who's our VP of, like, football operations and stuff like that. He had a kid, and it was very much a – you know, it's a commitment. Like you're taking sure. them and taking them to practice and things like that. And so, like, we're extremely. They're probably the bigger heroes than anybody because they're also feeding them. They're doing everything. So, like, they're they're you, watching a high school you, kid, which we all know us in high school was not the smartest. No, kids you're around. watching a high school kid who's not and not at their high school. And then the other thing, yeah. they are, but they aren't. And then the other problem is too is you're dealing with them of there could be, and we didn't have any of these guys this year. But there could be an ego thing because like sure. now they're a professional, potential professional <laughs> soccer player living in your house. It's it's a, at a teenage years, it is a tough job. So I have all the respect in the world for the stay-at-home parents, and 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 they're a lifesaver. So. I'm sure the internet has nothing to do with like put that potential ego. I'm sure it was a whole lot easier 20 years ago. Now it's probably a whole lot harder. So my my wife and I seriously like thought about that, but then we had a baby and. Absolutely. Now you're like, no, now yeah, you no, see. absolutely. Now not. you're getting no sleep. So David, it's you don't have a kid yet. You could, you could practice. <laughs> well, well let's get married teenager. first, and then uh, that's yeah. in October. That's well, that was, but that also became one of those things too. Yeah. Like when I when I interviewed for this job, I thought it would just be like a sales and marketing job. But how much time I spent having to deal with everything from man, it's just I didn't know I'd have to figure out translators. I didn't know I'd have to figure out like you know housing and stuff for these players. And then the other part is you start looking on the academy side. It's just that you know we, we 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 had a very dedicated campaign recruiting homestay families and all these other things, and it's not like it's inconsequential. Like this is if I sell one less ticket or you know get one less like on Facebook for a campaign we're doing, that's not a big deal. But like if we don't find the, the right number sure. of homestay programs, or if I can't find somebody who speaks Polish, we are in a tough spot. So like it's become very much like that's why I love the job because there's something different every day. But those are the types of things you don't think about where it's just like, Jesus. Yeah, so 
that's one of the things that you, you just mentioned something that uh, I definitely want to ask you some questions just you know personally um, how did you prep for this job when you first got it <laughs> I didn't I mean I think it's just uh, I had a I had a crazy job prior to this and sure. that you couldn't prep for and so my last job I had, I was I had what you would expect, right? On, on paper, I was the head of sports and entertainment for Anheuser Busch, which is fairly simple. It explains itself like all the sports properties we had in the United States, which is like a hundred plus music partnerships, and then even like our Hollywood office. I had all that. That kind of makes sense. But I also had what we call Grant's Farm, which was our zoo in St. Louis, and I had the Clydesdales, and I had our brewery tours. So every day it could be something. Like one day we may have an elephant die, and you got to find a new elephant, or wow. you may have like you know an issue with the Clydesdales. You may have you know something. It's always something. And so it actually uniquely prepared me to where you know I had 800 employees, and it could have been something as simple as a union issue to an animal issue, to a negotiating a contract with a musical artist, to a team activation. It was such a wide variety for so many years. It was never boring. And the other part <laughs> it was too is that the skill set's kind of the same, right? It's like, it's kind of your like, as long as you're logical and you're calm and you can think about it, it's fine. I think it also became a communication thing because as long as I could clearly communicate the problem to the people who knew how to answer the problem, it was fine. And so I got really good friends with our lawyers just because like, it's like, you just want to make sure you're making the right decisions that aren't going to come back and bite you. And we were always transparent, like internally and externally, because it's the only time I realized this is like, especially when I worked at NASCAR, the only time you ever get in trouble is when you cover it up. So it was very sure. much a, it was an honesty program for us. And you know, the one thing I realized is the music industry could be the hardest and the worst just because there is 99% of them are trustful. 1% aren't. The sports industry is so small, it's 99.9% .9 are trustful, 0.1% aren't. So, like, it's very much, uh, you know, your reputation is, you know, is the most important thing you have. So, we all, we're always fair, but I think that also helps me here, too, just because, you know, between players and agents and fans and even partners, we have to be transparent because there's a lot of people who may promise one thing and when they can't deliver that, they may buy themselves a year or two window of like getting out of it, but it'll eventually come back. So I think the biggest thing is we also have to, at some point, are going to have to admit whenever we have something that didn't work, I'm happy to be like, yeah, we screwed up. But I think that sure. that's what I learned because we screwed up a ton. Because I, I oversaw an alcohol like group. Like there was a ton of screw ups <laughs> all the time. So, um, so you, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but you know, MLS has some unique rules on and off the pitch. How have you learned some of that? Who have you leaned on? <laughs> hey, so we've got two guys. So um, it's got Bobby Belair. Who's, yeah, uh, I love Bobby. Bobby's great. Bobby's Bobby guy. comes from Atlanta. He knows all the details. He's very by the book. Yeah. Like, it, makes me, it, it makes me mad sometimes because he's very by the book. <laughs> um, but then like we have a guy, Zoran, obviously, too. Like everything, especially as it comes to like um, player contracts and salary cap and things like that. Like he's taught me a ton. And Tom Glick, too. I mean, Tom was at... Tom was at NYCFC, he's been at the highest level in the soccer world. Like, he's the best mentor I've ever had in terms of just learning the business. But then when it comes to uh, you know just learning the weird nuances in the MLS, like there's like 15 windows to get players. Like so, there's a window. It feels like every other week. So it's very much learning that. And we and the good part is this year we've been able to learn on the fly. Is just that this window is this is how it's happening. But uh, between the two of them, we talk all the time. I think the one thing I also love about this job is that. If I was in my job and I was the president of the Atlanta Braves, 
I would just do business and that's it. Yep. But because our job, especially in the soccer world, is so much a joint job because I have to help Zorin and team recruit players to Charlotte and coaches to Charlotte to understand why Charlotte's great and also here's these new facilities and whatever. It's the most joint technical or competition slash business side I've ever seen. And I think that that's very much like what makes it fun. And then also it helps expedite the education process of our entire company because everybody has to learn because our marketing guys need to know because we're, mar- we're spending half our time marketing to players. Like you want to be here. Yeah. So. so you mentioned earlier, like talking to Mr. Hunt, right? And so is there anybody else you're reaching out or learning from within MLS or within like the local United States? That yeah, I mean, well? I think the, the people we've been, uh, me, me personally, I've been spending the most time talking to is just the league office. So like Charles Alchek, who's kind of, I think he's like the worst in the commissioner's office, like SVP at something. And like Seth, who's on the broadcast side is one, a lot of the things we want to make sure is like, sometimes we'll talk to all these team presidents and they're all extremely honest and open. But at least by talking at the league level, the league guys are very much like, here's the best pieces. And so they can bring us a, pro- like, not a proposal, but of like, hey, do these five things, and these two came from here, and these two came from here, because we're gonna steal everybody's best idea, but like, not the whole thing, just the pieces to piece it together, especially when we talk broadcast. Like, we want the best broadcast possible, but we'll just take the pieces and elements that work. As it comes to game day, that's been the hardest, because almost every team, and I would pro- I'll be in the same problem nine months from now, every team thinks they have the greatest game day. So like the game day is the hardest one where, but like when it comes to like <laughs> broadcast and digital and social, it's all right. But like the game day one, everybody's like, oh, we're the best. So, and look, there is, I've been to nine matches so far this year. Like there is some, yeah, it's, but, but there's some, they're all good in their own way. And I don't want to do what all any of them are doing, but it's not, but there's pieces, right? Just knowing sure. like the timing and things like that. And, uh, but you yeah, look, and I, I honestly more from the partnership and the sales side, season tickets and partnership sales it's been invaluable because these guys are very much a hey this is where you should be on season ticket sales this is where you should be on partnership sales and even just from a timing because i think that we're very aggressive on where we want to be on all of it and i think the timing's actually helped us a lot because we're nine months out and we always wish we were further ahead than we are so i think that it's helped us a ton so you, you mentioned just the broadcast. So what you're saying is we're going to be the best broadcast. In the oh, best, that's like, not – I mean, we've said that 15 <laughs> times now publicly. Like, that's the goal. And the only problem we, we face with being the best broadcast is, like, is it going to hurt ticket sales? Sure, but, sure. And, we, and that's really the biggest reason. We, after after the, the academy team, we spent most of the time on Sunday with FC Dallas and the broadcast booth with Raycom, just, like, how they produce it, you know, all of that stuff because – you know, our goal is, especially with them being based in Carolina, they have a sense of pride of like, this yeah. better look great. And they also like, this better not look like ACBC basketball. Like how do they figure out like the, the balance between the two? So I, I was shocked to see Ray come out there. I, didn't, I mean, being a, a local Carolina guy, like I, I've always associated them with ACC basketball. Well, they do, yeah. they do, they do uh, Dallas. I know they also do Real. I think they do Nashville. Wow. So like they've, do, they've got at least three teams and we'll be their fourth. So they're pretty heavily into it. So, so you're, you're just like, you've been super busy. What is your week like I, outside of just normal meetings? Like, do you just schedule and your doing calendar with, with out? Yeah, David, right? Yeah. So, like, you're doing all these things. Like, what is your, what is your week like? Now? Yeah, I mean, I try to do. I try to book pretty gr- aggressively from like Monday to Saturday, midday into day, and then just do like get it all in. 
and then Saturday night I'll go to dinner with my wife and then I'll like smoke a cigar on the porch and go to bed. Like, that's like, that's, that's about it, right? Yeah. Like it's like Sunday's kind of like, I would call it off day, but it's more of like the get caught up, get prepared day, but it's the relaxed day. Uh, but I mean, right now, I think it's the big part. It's like, this is a good week example, right? Like Monday we were in Dallas and came back um, last night. Today we announced Adam Armour. Yesterday we announced Adam Armour. Today we announced um, uh, Chief Fan Officer. We've got a couple other campaigns we're launching Thursday, which are just going to be more marketing driven around like season tickets and stuff. We'll have the holiday weekend, but we're going to go and uh, you know kind of work to prep out some final things with some things. Christian's coming to Charlotte. We've got a couple of like, but it's all of that and. But we're trying to finalize our practice facility. We're trying to finalize right now some radio deals. And the good part is, is like everybody's aggressive as we are because we want to have a lot of this locked in before Panther season starts because everybody's going to lose a little bit of focus. Sure. And I'm not naive to that. So I'm all in on like making July an important month to get everybody's focus because even too, I mean, you guys look at the Men's City team and you guys look at even other supporters groups and fans. Even our, like our season t- ticket holder group doesn't overlap a lot, but... I'm a Panthers fan too, so once Panthers season starts, there's still my attention to shift a little bit away from, from this, so we got to get out in front of it. So you said that Christian may, like, you're getting involved with yeah. him. So, like, I have to ask with, like, the Zero Fuchs Given t-shirt. Yeah. You guys moved really quick on that. So, like, can you give us some, like, behind the scenes, like, how were you able to get that in production so quickly, get approval by the league or, like, approval by him? Or do you, do, have to, do you have to get approval by the league? Yeah, for a stuff question. Like that? So... Um, look, I think a lot of it has to go back to my old job where we used to ask for forgiveness and then we would just go fast. Um, the only person we asked really, so we asked Christian first. Yep. Um, so we knew, we signed him on Tuesday. And it took us a couple of days to get all of our, our stuff sure. together with the league and everybody else. And in that process, we sent him a, I sent him like a, a drawing of the picture. And I was just like, hey, this is what we're thinking. Oh, you, put, you, put that, you put that on that? Twitter, right? I drew yeah. it on my own. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we saw that. So I sent it to him and he was just like, he goes, yeah, man, that sounds cool. And because I didn't before then, I didn't know how like into this whole zero Fuchs given or no Fuchs given he was into. <laughs> yeah. And so I sent it to him and I had to explain him what zero in the U.S. means is the same thing as no. Uh, but then after that, like we sent it to Fanatics and they, I don't know if they realized it. And so they basically approved it and we didn't send anybody. And so after they approved it, I had to call Mr. Tapper and be like, Hey man, this is like a little bit out there. Like, are you okay? And he goes, as long as as long as Christian's okay, we're okay. Yeah. So that was the goal. So once we got Christian on board, and and also, it's also who we're trying to be, right? We're not yeah. too serious. Right. It's fun. Sure. Like, yeah. it's I love whatever. it. Whatever. So it. It's, it went really well. I think that the big part for us is just that we want to continue to do those things, but. We're not always going to ask for forgiveness, but it became very much a... Uh, we still got a couple of those comments of like, oh, what about the kids? I'm like, guys, they don't buy them a shirt. Yeah. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, you know, that makes me want to ask another question. It's, you know, the, um, the Love Unites yeah. kit, um, the one that's just coming out now, the, the throwback, the 1994, like, red stripe ones. You know, working with MLS, is that... You guys opt into that, or like, hey, this is available for you? No, for, everybody? for us. I mean, so the league does all these special uh, 
warm up training tops. Mm-hmm. And we literally told him this year we want to be a part of all of everything. Yeah. Because I mean, we just want to get as much merchandise out there as possible. You're especially trying to make if, me poor. Is what you well, mean. that. But I mean, <laughs> and get me the, in trouble. The other part is we're just trying to get as much official Adidas gear out there because we don't have a kit. We don't have all that stuff sure. yet. So as much as we could physically get out there, I think we've got two more left. So. It was very and, and and getting the United stuff out there, getting the America stuff out there. I mean, I was disappointed we didn't get any of the recycling stuff because those jerseys were those amazing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, but it was like a select teams. But like, I think that we'll always have that. I think that the big piece for us is also this year we're doing all this stuff that we probably won't do in the future because once we actually have a team and we have stuff to follow and do. But this year, anything we can glam on glom onto that's literally mls specific we're on it so so you're telling me i need to buy everything and anything that's available right no now. don't worry i'm sure i'm sure fanatics <laughs> will find a way to sell it to you next year too so you'll be all right it's good i'm gonna be in, i'm gonna be getting more in trouble it's good yeah well i mean so nick I, I i appreciate the time and the questions and everything like that i mean i i'll give it to you if there's anything else that you want to share with the fans or anything else that you want to kind of tease for us to know about no, look, I think the biggest piece for us is that, you know, we were appreciative of you know, the, the fandom, the conversation. We're appreciative, especially of, uh, of the Men's City team, of being as passionate as they are. I think that, you know, a lot of the announcements we made recently are going to be specifically driven to be bring, bring you guys closer to us. Um, you know, I think there's a, a couple of things hopefully you guys will see in the coming weeks as it relates to everything that's going to be game day specific. We're working on, you know, updated you know, renderings of what this, the stadium's going to look like now that, you know, the field's down, the East Gate's getting closer, the locker room's getting closer, uh, and even down, all the way down to Dave's party, right? We want to make sure that we're, we're, we, we have everybody out there because it's really kind of a good dry run. We've got almost almost 3,000 season tickets sold for supporters section. Like, we want to make sure we can get as many of those people out there as possible to, like, give it a fun dry run. This is built for that. I'm not worried about the regular season ticket holder, like, getting in on game day. We're worried about those people, like, having literally the, uh, the right game day experience. So we'll have more information on that probably next month. But, I mean, those are, like, the big things for us is that, you know, as we pick a chief fan officer, we want to make sure everybody also, too, is, like, we're going to give out that person's all their contact. So it's just literally, if <laughs> you have any problems, questions, you know, feel free to reach out to them. So, so you got a, you a busy next 30, 60 days, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we I mean, take Zoran's side out of it, which is, you know, finalizing coach, finalizing all this other stuff is going to be, you know, we've got to get some stuff in place because even once it's in place, it then takes months to develop. So I think that that's kind of where we're at. One last question. Yeah. Let's talk about the coach one second. No, go ahead. <laughs> gotta ask so but let's let's go back last year with with the pandemic i don't know if you could say or not did you guys have somebody identified and like with everything that happened it just plans got thrown off yeah that's a great question so where we were pandemic last year so let's call it february march um we had a, a set of candidates that zorin and tom uh were were beginning to interview and obviously whenever the pandemic you know set in that pauses that and in the process some of those candidates are eliminated because they get other jobs and things like that um and then you know we started up the process again in february march of this year same process some of the candidates are gone new candidates in and where we sit today is we're down to a handful of finalists i think what's been uh, slowed down the process for us has really been more than anything else is Respecting their current situation, like I think that we have found it a little bit more challenging to not that they aren't interested, but also not be a bull in a china shop and be like, "Great, I know you want to be here, and we know you want we want you." Go tell your team to go pound sand. 
And I think that that's been the hardest part. And I think it's so we've got a couple finalists that we're really excited about. If we end up with any of the, the, the three or four finalists we have, it'd be amazing. But at the same time, like we may have to do business with that team down the road, or we may have to, you know, send it. And the other part is, is that that's the challenging part. And I think that it's just the, um, the candidates we have, anybody would be excited about if we got any of the three or four we have, like, we'll be in a great spot. I think it's just also too, as you'll see from the clubs they're coming from, is that like if we screw them over, it could not be good for us in, like, in the long run. I just like the fact that we can tell the teams to pound sand. Yeah. So I, I think that, that should be the next t-shirt, like you know David Tepper's yeah. party shirt, we just tell them to pound yeah. sand. But I mean, I, I, I'll say like, so what you're telling me is, is that Matt Swift's pick from last episode of Ben Olsen. Yeah, I mean, he's not on that list. We respect him a ton. I think it's it's just for us, it's just that we're looking for, you know, this is the same thing we've done. I mean, look at look at me, like, and look at Zoran, like, different, you know, what's the upside look like, yeah. whatever. So we're looking for people with different backgrounds with high upside. And I think that that's where we're at. And I think that we also are looking for people, too, who are going to kind of live a different culture. Like, where, where a lot of these cultures on the team side are is business in that building, technical in the other. Like our building is our floor, and you guys have been up there. Our one floor and one group. So it's going to take somebody who's probably a little bit more open-minded to come be a part of that, and less so of a, I've done it this way for 20 plus years, and I'm never going to do it that way. So, which makes it tough. All right, I lied. I have one more question. Keep going, man. <laughs> I might get another. Beer. Yeah, it's, it's all just selfish questions. That's um, why he wants to do this podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so as a as a fan, and of course how social media works, everybody's super impatient, just like the coach. Yeah. Like we want it right now. How come you're not announcing it? Whatever. And we, we actually really do have plenty of time. Yeah, to do I know. So, what is it like on your side to hear and read comments about stuff like that and you maybe you have the answers but maybe the league won't let you announce it yet or what is it like on your side that doesn't frustrate me as much like like the the, the coach question doesn't frustrate me because like we're at fault because we put a timeline on it but at the same time like we generally believe the timeline for a little bit but as we've seen coaches who like especially as we've gotten closer to some of our finalists and we just are trying to respect them and their situation it is what it is we'll take that heat all day i think that the ones that frustrate me are the ones that are very much the you can't win anyway you go well yeah yeah i won't name specific situations but like there's been you know situations where they come out and they're saying like on one and the exact same thread they'll say one thing and contradict the exact same thing and like i don't know why i let it bother me but i let it bother me all the time it'll be the person with like 18 followers and exactly yeah it's, it's the it's the egg on twitter yeah, yeah. Look, and the other part is too is like i still like all these guys in my field the other part is too is like the people who talk about how dumb we are all the time but their icon is them in a charlotte fc jersey <laughs> Right. I want it. I want them to come to the office so bad and just like explain it to them every time because like we aren't trying to be idiots and we also like we want to service all these guys and I think that that's the frustrating part and I think it's just because I come from my old job where like the and we are still this way the customers always first the fans always first but. I can't have a one-to-one interaction with everybody. So sure. Like it's, and, and I think it also opens up for a can of worms if I start replying to everybody. It turns out. Yeah. But, I mean, we listen too much. I think the only place that I really don't go too often is, like, none of the Facebook groups. Reddit, I can't imagine, is highly active. Twitter is where it's kind of at, and I think it's very much just listening. I mean, we listen to everything. Like, yeah. we do, like, so I think it's just, because the other part is, we've seen some great ideas in there. So, like, the other part is that like, we've seen people who've probably, hey, what about this? And we're like, oh, let's go look into that. So, like, 
we have to we have to be conscious of that. I'll probably stop paying attention once the season starts, just because like we can't control what happens on the field. So I think it's just in the time being, we can control ninety percent of the rest of it. Yeah. It's just that's the part where it's kind of out of our control. So, so you're. The ones that frustrate you are the ones that are like, you know, the meme where the guy's sitting, like, sipping his coffee mug out in the park with the table that says, change my mind. Yeah. That's the ones that are, that, you know, frustrating. Yeah, and so. I, I won't go too deep into it, but it's just like, well, we've, I've had a couple where, like, we've done what some of these people have said, mm-hmm. and then they, sure. and I literally have saved comments before, and then it's literally like, I wish you would do this, and then we do it, and they still find something wrong with it, and it takes everything I have not to be like, yeah. So. You you have a stronger will than I do. I, I definitely would have been that person. That Although I had the biggest asshole tweet ever last night because every every person I had that was just like they were like, "Why are you guys supporting the Olympics?" I'm like, guys. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We have yeah. an Olympic player that's, right. that's literally yep. there, and they right. and they were just like, "You don't even know that we're not in the Olympics." I'm like, "I know we're not in the Olympics." Yeah. So I was like, "But I had known for six months that Riley's gonna be in the that's Olympics," right. and it's yeah. just like, but we also didn't want to jinx him that he wasn't gonna make the Olympic team. Yeah. So it became, but it's this. We, I have an unhealthy obsession. And by the way, it is never ill will. I just have an obsession with just like all the comments because it also helps. Like, I wake up every morning at like five o'clock and work out and I read all these comments and I'm just like, well, that, that's good. That that means that you're you're paying attention. You know, you're when when people when people are are posting things, they should know that you're looking at it. And the team's looking at it, and that, that I think that's and special. I, and I have five or six uh, search terms in like a tweet deck and I'll just throw my iPad like on the treadmill and I can see like all of them and like my name's not one of them it's like Charlotte FC like in, in five different spellings like they like, sometimes connected not connected whatever it is CLTFC yeah all of it so I can see all but it's but it's it, it's a healthy one because I just want to know like what's out there and it's also it's, it's been interesting too right to see what actually moves the needle and what mm, doesn't sure because we'll invest a ton of time on stuff that nobody cares about right? like why do we just waste all of our time on that so what's that learning curve too I mean it's first season you're you're learning and well I think look at the community stuff we just did with um with the with the mini pitch yeah I mean it took us months to do it but like I honestly believed it was only going to matter to the kids in the neighborhood and everybody else. We got more inbound stuff being like, I want one, I want one, I want yeah. one. Nice. Yeah. So we like we start. Like, How about this neighborhood? And we're like, great. We'll listen to all of it. So yeah. like, it's been good. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I know like within our Slack, Immense City Collective members, like they loved yeah. that. I mean, I know. Um, I'm sure the kids are super appreciative of it, but just the fact that Ally and you and the team are investing back into the community some way and somehow to give the sport of soccer to the kids and the community some way, I think it's a great thing. So well, that's been a tough one too. Is that we originally committed to 22 and this predates me and I'll give Tom and those guys credit because it was very much a a steep ambition to build 22 of these in the first sure. five years because they're not cheap but it's also been we've had a bunch of partners step up and they're just like I want to do one I want to do one so I mean our goal is in five years I mean we may surpass that far sooner uh, but you know we're putting in the same turf you get at the field at the stadium and it's not and it's durable but that's been probably the most rewarding one because you go out to one of these events and you have a bunch of kids who just are like we, we installed the one in Silbo Bay the other day. They were out there at 6 a.m. and they were out there till the sun went down. It's just like, awesome. all right, man, it's working. So, yeah. I saw the video of you uh, kicking the initial. Man, that was so yeah. bad. No, I, th- someone said you had good form on there. Yeah, think, right. So. It was just one of those things, too. I had like 15 people like in the soccer community tell me how bad it was. And I was just like, was like, guys, I thought we were doing a ribbon cutting. And it was just like, <laughs> I think it was good. It went, it went in the goal. It That's did. all that matters. So. It was so close. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. bad. So, Another selfish question. Go ahead. When is the, when is the vault at the stadium going to be done? Uh, the reason why I want to do a podcast there. We'll, we'll the do that. 
Uh, we can do that. I mean, I think that the, so the, it'll be uh, it'll and realistically it'll probably be done just before first game for us. Oh, okay. Because so the whole time during Panther season this year is gonna be shut down. It'll be tarped over. Yeah. Construction still going on, but it'll be open first the first time the vaults open that middle field entrance and. Um, and even the East Gate will be our first game. So, like, awesome. that won't be a, you know, hey, we're going to take pieces of it. And even the supporters bars, we're literally going to have, you'll see, if you come to a Panthers game, there'll be a huge 20-foot-tall boards surrounding the construction because it's going to take that long to get it right. And then when you first come to the first game, it'll literally be the first time anybody sees it. Awesome. So. That's cool. So, suck it, Panther fans. We get first dibs. Yeah, I mean, look, and it, and it, wasn't, it wasn't a coincidence. I mean, it was a coincidence that, like, it didn't, we didn't have any of it ready, but... It'd have been nice to have some of it ready to test it, so it'll be an interesting first game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I take that back because I'm a Panther fan too, and I would have loved it this year. So, but it's good. I'm gonna have to stop because I will literally ask you questions for three hours. So I'm just gonna. Yeah. I'm, I'm done. Well, Nick, I, I I do appreciate the time. I mean, the fact that you're able to come here and hang out with us yeah, and salute. I know we had some some fans come and go. They were screaming our names in the background, obviously, <laughs> right? But uh, I mean, we appreciate the time. I I know the fans are gonna love to hear what you had to say tonight and. I look forward to hearing from you again here pretty soon. No, I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for the invite. And, you know, well, I invited myself. So thanks again for having me. good. We appreciate it. So thanks for making us legit. Sounds yeah. good. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See you later. Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us. And uh, I just, again, we talked about it at the beginning, but I just think it was such a great open conversation about what's going on with the club and, and, you know, where they're looking as we go to the future. So really enjoyed having him on and hope to have him on uh, in the future as we get closer to For sure. a team being on the field. So uh, before we before we leave, uh, anything else we should know about as far as what's going on with Mint City, any events coming up or uh, things people should be aware of? Yeah, the, the one thing I'll plug is um, as this comes out, hopefully this week, we have some window time coming out here pretty <laughs> soon. So no pressure, Corey. Um, but really, it's going to be um, the Charlotte Independence versus uh, New York's uh, Red Bulls 2. It's coming up on July 17th. Um, so we do have tickets for sale on our mintcitycollective.com um, website underneath events. So we are actually pre-gaming at the new Big Ben's location, um, which is off Elizabeth. We're going to meet there ahead before the game, pre-game a little bit, march down Elizabeth to the new Memorial Stadium. It's a beautiful stadium if you haven't seen pictures of it yet. Yeah, that it's, sounds it's, awesome. It's fantastic, right? And so um, be able to watch a game there, see some future Charlotte FC players. So Brant's going to be there. As Nick mentioned in the um, podcast earlier, might have some other players there hopefully soon. Hashtag soon, quote soon. <laughs> um, but yeah, watch the, the players there, practice some chants, meet some new MCC folks and other non-MCC folks. I think it's been a great event. But and I think that's the key for, and we've talked about this a lot, but like for MLS, people who are just coming on to Charlotte FC and MLS fans, like there is, I know we don't have a, a, a team on the field for MLS until next spring. Right. There's a lot of soccer happening around Charlotte right That's now, right. And, and including it's exciting the Independence are going to be playing a memorial. So, like, check that out or also check out other Independence matches or anything like that. So there's, there's a lot going on. And if you want to see soccer, live soccer, uh, over the next few months before Charlotte FC takes the field, there are definitely opportunities to do that. For sure. Anything else we got coming up? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, <laughs> we do have something. Perfect we didn't segue. prepare this at all. No, not at all. Um, so... In August, August 20th, uh, we are going to a Charlotte Knights game. 
They are taking on Ooh. the Norfolk Tides. Nice. Yeah, so we're going to meet at uh, 5.30 at the Tap Room, which is basically right across from the stadium. We're going to meet there first, um, and then around like 6.40, we'll march across the street as a big unit. Uh, big unit. And then, um, yeah, we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> is, so- is that where I channel my, my fellow AppFC uh, trip goers and go, whoop, whoop, whoop? <laughs> um, yeah, so that, that's exciting. So, you know, we're, we're hoping that we can do events like this, too, that are, you know, not always soccer-related. Sure. Just a good way uh, for members and even non-members to, to come out and just have some fun. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, last year sucked. Yeah. So, you know... We want to get out and have some fun, so this is just a, a good way to do it. The tic- uh, tickets are uh, $15. You can go to the website right now. Go to events. Um, you know, like David said, we have the, the Independence game, and then we have the, the Knights game, too, and uh, we'll have some more stuff coming out soon. Yeah, Come eat some hot dogs with us. Drink some beer. Drink some soda. Watch baseball. I like it. Can't go wrong there. As, as much as Min City is about soccer, it's like it's really about community, kind of to your point, yep, too. Like right. We're going to do events around soccer, obviously, but it's really about just building a community that wants to do good things in the city. So that's a part of that. So For sure. I like it. Can I ask, before we leave, I keep just like throwing up questions at y'all, but um, how did the Appalachian trip go? I wasn't able to attend, but you mentioned it, and I want to check in on how, how things went in Boone. It was great. I mean, we were we were welcomed with open arms from the Squatch Guard. I mean, they were fantastic, amazing hosts. Yeah. Um, we were able to, you know, march to the stadium through the woods and practice some chants with them, teach them some chants, learn some chants nice. from them, um, practice some drums. It's great. Yeah, you know, for, for me, it, it, it's funny. So um, I haven't met a lot of the people in person right. because right. of last year, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I talk to them on Slack every single day, but haven't met them in person. So it was just <laughs> nice to uh, uh, see them in person and travel up to to, to boom with them on, on the bus. We had so much fun on the bus, um, you know, singing and, uh, and <laughs> just having a lot of fun. And then, yeah, the, the Squatch Guard was, was really great when we got there. Um, you know, marching to the stadium was fun and, you know. Appalachian FC one three to one. So I mean, it was, yeah, it's just a, it was just a really really great time. I I had a blast. Uh, I paid for it the next day. I I can't keep <laughs> like up. All with, of us did. Yeah, I can't keep up with uh, the young bucks anymore. We, no. we got to train before uh, Charlotte FC takes the pitch. Yeah, so. <laughs> it was brutal. The I don't know if I'm ready for it. I'm not ready. I'm still not ready. Being being in my 30s and having two kids, I don't know if my body's ready for that yet. But we'll see what happens in the next few months before we before we take the field. <laughs> Uh, but no, that's awesome. I think it's a good plug for, for the events is, yeah, like, I feel like I haven't met a lot of people in, yep. in Mint City because we had our party with David Tepper uh, in December. Two years ago. Yeah. Right? That's and crazy. that was where I met a lot of people. And then, you know, we had a couple of events after that, but there wasn't a whole lot going on. So it's a good okay. chance to meet, meet other soccer fans in Charlotte. So check those out and get involved with those as much as you can. Thank you. Uh, David and Matt for being here and, and for doing an amazing interview with Nick. And thanks again to Nick to, for joining us. And thank you all for listening. Look at us putting out two episodes in look two weeks. Us. Right. This is a look new at world. Look, look the at City us. Soccer look, look, show. At, look at us, man. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for listening. We have something planned for next week, too. So you'll have That's an right. episode coming down the, the pipe pretty soon. So until then, we will see you next time. <laughs>